Hi guys, it's Emmett. It's windy, so I apologize for the noise. Uh, it's also a beautiful day, although the wind is cold. Um, but it really feels like uh, if you sat in the lee of a house in the sun, it would be delightful. So uh, I hope to do some of that today. We'll see. I also get to go over to my in-laws' house this afternoon and help them boil down some sap into maple syrup, which I'm always happy to do. Uh, sort of the harbinger of spring for me. Yesterday I was listening to Seth Godin's amazing podcast, Akimbo, uh, which I can't recommend highly enough to people. In many ways, Seth's daily blog has been the inspiration for this podcast. Seeing how creating something thoughtful each day uh, is just good for your life. Um, and hopefully of value to other people. At any rate, yesterday in his podcast, he was answering a question for somebody about his idea of the minimum viable audience and how important it is to <clears throat> essentially make your work for a specific demographic and not try to make something that will appeal to everybody. However, I feel like he didn't do a good job of answering this woman's question because this woman called in specifically to ask, you know, how do you determine what the minimal viable audience is for you? I think she wanted to some sort of rubric. And Seth didn't really answer that. Instead, he got sidetracked into a story. So I thought I'd answer it instead. I think the thing about minimal viable audiences uh, is that it is different at every stage of your business, right? So when you start out, the minimal viable audience you need is that one person who's actually going to buy the first thing that you ever sell. Not necessarily the first thing you make, but the very first sale, the minimal viable audience is whatever it takes to get that first sale, right? So it might be one person following you. It might be 50 people following you. And when I say following you, I mean both sort of f following you on social media, but also following along in an active sort of way. And those two are not necessarily correlated. In general, it's about 10% of people who follow you by clicking a button actually follow you in the sense of following along. So. Uh, and of the people who follow you, about 10% of those are actually going to go into uh, become a sale, right? So, for instance, if you have a 1,000 followers, you might have 100 that actually follow along semi-regularly, and 10 might actually buy something. These are just rough numbers, but it's the calculation I use in my head. The point is, is that what defines a minimal viable audience will change. It has to change as you grow and develop as a business. And so the definition of that necessarily is going to change over time. The best thing to keep your business going, then, is to try to make it so that the minimum viable audience is as small as possible 
for as long as possible, meaning <clears throat> you can survive, your, you can keep your business going in whatever capacity that means with as few people as possible, right? So I, I took this idea and ran with it when I figured out the pricing for Spoonosaurus magazine. I thought about all different ways to price it and I thought, you know, it costs us $5 to print each copy and it's, you know, about $5 more or less for packaging and shipping. Uh, if I then have, and it costs about this much fixed cost to pay our contributors, host the website, all that jazz. Uh, so with those fixed costs, if I can get 70 people to subscribe to the magazine, that will cover our fixed cost. So that was our minimum viable audience in that if we didn't pay ourselves anything, all of our other costs, it wouldn't be costing us money to run the magazine, to operate the magazine at an audience of 70 subscribers. That was our minimal viable audience. As long as we stay above that, and other factors don't change, then we can keep the magazine going as long as we're okay with it not making any money for us, right? So that was a useful way to think about that. Now, as your business grows, the minimal viable audience will necessarily change depending on how much you rely on income from that business. So when I was starting the spoon carving business, I was in the position of my minimal viable audience is whoever will buy anything. I, you know, like that's, that's my minimal viable audience because I just need to make a sale. And then as that slowly crept up and up and up, it got to a point where now I rely on that income for much of our income for the year. It's no longer the true that I have another job that you know, fills in those gaps during much of the year, it's, it is that. And so the minimal viable audience for me is whatever it takes to uh, maintain that level of demand coming in. And hopefully I can make smart moves to grow it. But the point is, is that you can't look at an industry and say, well, the minimal viable audience for this is, you know, this number of people. Because not only <clears throat> is that going to be different uh, from person to person, like how many people are going to find you interesting, it's also going to, the other variable that's very much within your control is how much you need to spend in order to survive. And there are so many ways that you can spend less. I just had a great conversation with uh, Rally Campbell um, last night where we were talking about how she's sort of butting up against this exact thing right now where she has family in California and because she wants to be near her family in California, that part of California is very expensive to live in. And so she is trying to find all these ways to be creative about keeping her expensive expenses low, like, uh, living in a, a van, a nomadic lifestyle. Um, so I, th I have so much admiration for that because it's super, uh, super empowering for her to look at it through that lens, right? Where she can say, uh, you know what, I can't 
really control how much income is coming in from the the business, right? I can, I, you know, I'm going to make smart moves. I can sort of ramp it up as I can. But ultimately what I can control is what does it cost me to live? And <clears throat> so that's the other part of figuring out what your minimal viable audience is. It's always two parts that you can move to change that calculation. And early on, I would argue, it's worth essentially trying to keep your expenses to an absolute minimum so that you can keep the pressure from being on your business to produce a certain amount of income. Right? That's the death of a business right off the bat is getting to a place where you need it to perform at a certain level because you need a certain amount of income and you are unwilling to get another job or right, there's so many ways that you can take the pressure off of your business. So there's a third part to minimal viable audience which is what is the threshold of engagement with your work that's going to help reinforce your own engagement with your work. And again, this is different for each person, but it's worth thinking about because imagine this scenario. You're super in love with spoon carving. You love doing it. You want to make a business. You put your work out into the world and you feel like nobody's engaging with you. That's super hard. And sometimes what you're looking for is not some concrete number of people engaging with you or people buying from you. It's simply the interaction, the validation, the sense that somebody out there notices and cares or thinks I'm doing a good job or thinks I have promise. And there's a chicken and an egg to this in that Sometimes we aren't getting that validation because we aren't putting ourselves out there enough. Sometimes we aren't getting that validation because we have outsized expectations of what that validation should be. And I've suffered both of these things. I've gone through periods where I didn't put my work out into the world enough and then I felt like my interest in spoon carving was waning because I didn't have a community that I was sharing this journey with. And I've also had moments, particularly early on, where I thought more highly of my own work than anyone else did. In part because I was so early in my journey that I had no perspective of the quality of my own work. That I thought that I really was at a level that, looking back now, I was not. So both of those things can catch you up. And I think the the trick, another definition of minimal viable audience, is what is the level of engagement with your work that you need in order to feel fired up and passionate about your work and moving forward? And 
Sometimes you need to shift your expectations of what people's engagement with your work is going to be by recognizing that your work itself is maybe not as good as it could be. And sometimes you need to share more in order to get the engagement to a level that keeps your juices flowing. Now, if your work, if you come to the realization that your work is not what you thought it was, don't despair. Don't think, well, now I'm definitely not going to, you know, have a sort of enough momentum or sort of enough motivation to keep going because I don't have anything to share that I'm proud of. You can share the process of you striving to be better and you can be thoughtful about sharing that process and that will go a long way towards engaging people, right? You don't need to be the best spoon carver in the world to share your journey in a way that is compelling and interesting and inspiring to other people and to yourself. And those are skills that all of us have because it doesn't require you to be an amazing writer. It doesn't require you to be super creative. What it does require is that you be thoughtful and do some research about what seems to be working for other people and also what you find inspiring yourself and then think about what you want to put into the world to make it a better place. And those skills are not skills that you know, you're either born with or you're not. You can develop those skills, and in a lot of cases you already have those skills before you'd have the skill at the thing that you do that you want to gain recognition as. So you can be a thoughtful practitioner before you are admired for the mastery of your thing. And in many ways, being a thoughtful practitioner is going to stand you in better stead because it will help build up that audience to a place that keeps you going so that you reach mastery eventually. That's the key. It's just not stopping. I know this is a long episode, but I just feel like there's more to say. I had this realization the other day when I was thinking about how long I've been carving spoons, that it's really, it's not how long I've been carving spoons that has really mattered. Quite frankly, it's how many thoughtful posts about carving spoons have I put out into the world. This might sound crazy, but I feel like... My growth as a business and as a craftsperson and just as a human has been more tied to how many thoughtful posts I have put out into the world. That, In many ways, that is the work that I am most proud of. And when I think back on it, if I am doing one, two, three posts a day... That's thousands of posts. It's hard to wrap your head around just how powerful stacking up that kind of thoughtfulness day after day is. And for anyone who hears that and thinks, well, God, I can never do that. And I actually, like, my best friend just 
<clears throat> emailed me and said that he had tried being on Instagram and thought, you know, that he was going to, excuse me, make this habit of it and that it didn't stick, right? And that there's sort of a fatality to the way he talked about it as though, you know, well, it's just not for me. I don't think it's for anyone when you start out. That kind of habit is something you decide you want to have in your life and then you make it happen in your life. No matter what happens, that's the thing that I make sure I do in a given day, right? So it's a matter of what your priorities are. The thing I prioritize most in my day is making sure that I've captured some images so that I can share some thoughtful thought here on Instagram. Because I recognize that that habit is the thing that feeds everything else in my life. It feeds the happiness and fulfillment in my life. It feeds my ambition in my life. It feeds my ability to make money to feed my family in my life. Everything flows from that one habit. And I think the trick is, is that before you develop that habit, <clears throat> you have those things in your life, but it comes from other things. And maybe, you know, your ability to feed your family is coming from a different job that doesn't require you to post something, right? So you can say, well, that's not serving that in my life. And maybe you have ambition and it comes from something, you know, it's, it's being fed by something else. It's being fed by a group of your peers. So you think, well, I don't need that in my life. And it's true. You can get these things from other things. The thing that I appreciate about this part of social media is that it is under my control in the broadest possible sense that I am building my life into something deliberate. And that good things have come from it. It takes a long time. It takes longer than you think it's going to take. But the same is true for any habit that you establish, whether it's a habit of fiscal discipline to get yourself out of debt or a habit of uh, being disciplined about what you eat and how you exercise to help you get more healthy in your life. Habits like that take discipline. But whenever you are disciplined about something in your life, usually good things come from it, as long as you're thoughtful and don't let them get out of control. Come on, dogs! So, circling back to the minimal viable audience, I would say this. It's kind of fruitless or pointless to try to determine ahead of time what the minimal viable audience is. That's not the point of understanding the concept of minimal viable audience. Instead, the most useful thing to understand about it is that when you are starting out trying to gain your voice, it is important to recognize that you are not trying to reach everybody. And that if you start out with that global ambition, 
then not only will the pressure of that grind you down until you stop, Willa, leave it, but the work you do will probably be boring and derivative and of relatively little value to anyone. And that if you think of having an audience is not about having people who are blindly obsessed with you, but instead think about it as a relationship that you have with people, even if you never know them, where somehow they're getting exactly what they need from you, which is why they're coming back. That changes the dynamic. And so, instead of thinking vaguely about, you know, what would someone who's trying to be the top whatever and have a huge audience say, instead you speak about things that are important to you, things that you have interacted with people and it's clear that it's important to them. That's how you create value with your audience. And from that value that you're bringing to your audience, that's where all of the value to you that returns to you stems from. Thank you for joining me all the way to the end of this. I didn't know I had it in me. Talk tomorrow, guys.